You're listening to The First Gen Coach. I'm your host, Carla Santamaria, a civic engagement professional turned mindset and career coach. As a first-gen immigrant, college grad, and corporate professional, I have experienced firsthand the many struggles and challenges that first-gen professional Latinas and women of color often face when navigating unfamiliar and unfriendly corporate environments. In this podcast, I will share insights for career success and will feature inspiring and successful first-gen women to share their journey and their stories. If you're ready to tap into a growing community of first-gen professionals, you've come to the right place. Hello, first-gen friends. Welcome back to the show. Today's episode is all about managing work stress and saying no to your boss. So this is actually a replay of an Instagram live that I did with my fellow coach and friend, Samantha Lee, who is a life and health coach for women of color. So she is actually interviewing me in this episode and it is really just like such a wonderful conversation. We recorded this back in August. And if you're listening to this live, it is November. Uh, and I was listening to it last week and I was like, oh my God, this is fantastic. I need to put this on the podcast. So Samantha is my mastermind sister. So she is wonderful. We are actually in the same business coaching mastermind and she works with women of color uh, to help them lose weight without restricting and without adhering to like toxic diet culture. Uh, So she is so, so, so fantastic. And she interviewed me in the show. And I just thought the questions that she asked were so insightful because one of the the common themes that clients go to her with is, you know, like managing all this workplace stress and it's really affecting their health in a very detrimental manner. Now, a few episodes ago, I released, uh, you know, like the five ways or like five signs that it's time to get a new job. And one of the, the signs is that once your job is affecting like your physical health, it's time to leave. So I am going to link that in the show notes because you know, maybe you're not realizing yet. And and so listen to this episode because I think it's like super wonderful, uh, just like in general about like how to manage workplace stress, how to set boundaries, how to say no to your boss. I'm super, super excited to bring it to you. You're going to find that super impactful. Um, And then go in and head over to that one. I'll link it in the show notes. It's five signs that it is time to make a move in your career. All right. And like these kind of things go, go, go together. So that's why I just want to link it and and have it as an additional resource after you link it to this episode. I also want to remind you that if you are dealing with a lot of workplace stress, or maybe you're just unhappy in your workplace and you're looking to make a move in your career, I am accepting clients for my one-on-one coaching program. And so if I work with first-gen professionals and women of color and I help them job hop their way to six figures, but truly it is so much more than just job hopping. Like I've worked with clients who had just started a new job. You know, like I had a client who we had been working together for six months and then she had just accepted a promotion and then we kept on working together because she wanted the additional support to, you know, step into that new identity of the promotion that she got. And she actually ended up getting a new job. So within, you know, within the time that we worked together, she increased her salary by $30,000. And this was, by the way, in the 
uh, in the state government and then in the nonprofit sector. So 100% feasible. So even if you're not necessarily looking for a career move and maybe you're just, you know, trying to like manage work or stuff workplace stress or maybe help work not be such a big part of your life or whatever your career goals may be i want to help you get there so book a call at the link through the link in the show notes and this will be like a call it'll be like 45 minutes to an hour we'll talk about your goals we'll come up with a plan and this call is really to help you decide if one-on-one career coaching is for you so right now if you're listening to this live like i said it's november it if the going to be released the Monday after Thanksgiving. So most people in corporate America are coming back from either a long weekend or a long week or just like a break from work. And this can be a time when you are stepping back into reality. And if you're finding yourself like dreading work, that's something that we can discuss inside of one-on-one coaching. You know, like if you're finding yourself just like too stressed or just like too unhappy in general, that is something that we can discuss and solve for inside of one-on-one career coaching. And by the way, as I was saying, if you're listening to this live, I am actually offering something that is very special until the end of the year. And because you are all the, uh, you know, like my podcast listeners are like my, the MVP, like y'all are amazing. I love everyone who is in any of my platforms. Like if you're on my email list, if you're on my social media, like you're all amazing. But if you are listening to the podcast, you truly are like the MVP. So first of all, thank you so much for for listening. You are what keeps me going. Um, And that being said, because you're all the MVP, I'm actually sharing this first on the podcast. I haven't shared it on social media yet, and I haven't shared it on my email list yet, but I am actually offering a thousand dollars off my one-on-one coaching services. So the, you know, and so like this offer, by the way, this is something that I had wanted to offer until November 30th. Um, And what you're all the first to listen, like you're the first to hear this invitation that I decided to just extend the offer until the end of the year or until I get fully booked, whichever happens first. So I am actually, because I have a nine to five, like I have a very small capacity for clients. And so I actually only have three spots uh, until I get fully booked. So if you're listening to this and you've been considering getting one-on-one coaching and you've been thinking about signing up, definitely click the link in the show notes because now is the time to do so because I, I'm offering this only for the next three people or until the end of the year. So, I mean, it's probably going to be like just, you know, I just had a webinar. So just based on how that has gone in the past, it's usually about two weeks after a webinar that I get fully booked. So definitely you want to get on this as soon as possible Um, because, and this is why like, why I said only three people, because like once I'm fully booked, I won't be accepting clients until probably March. So just, you know, letting you know, you as an MVP podcast listener get uh, just like first dibs on these calendar slots. So anyway, just wanted to share that with you all. Thank you so much for listening. And now let's get into the episode, how to manage workplace stress and say no to your boss. I'm just like super excited to have you here today because 
like what I was telling them, many of the clients that come to me, there's always some sort of like work stress that is related to why they can't lose weight or why they can't like feel energized. And you're like the perfect person to talk to about this. And so before we get started, I just want you to introduce yourself to the people. Uh, sure thing. Hi, everyone. My name is Carla Santa Maria. I'm a career and mindset coach for first generation women of color, and I specialize in helping them job hop their way to six figures while protecting themselves from these like harsh corporate environments. Because as I was saying, getting that money is nice, but sacrificing your well-being, your health, your sanity for that money or for anything really is not it. So, um, you know, like I kind of help you learn that your job is just a job. <laughs> <laughs> I freaking love it. And so this is so interesting that we're talking about this because I want to just like ask you, like, you know, a lot of the women that work with me too, they're, they're like, well, I just feel like I have so much on my plate and I feel like things get added on, even though it's not part of my job description. And a lot of the work that I do is helping them have those like conversation where they can feel supported at their workplace like talking to their manager about their workload right and also like helping them see that they can take a lunch break and that like the world is not going to fall apart and so i want to know like from the experience that you have which is with your clients right because you help them do and navigate all of this like how do you have those conversations without feeling uncomfortable because as a first gen being a woman of color in the workplace, it is uncomfortable to say that, like, like we want help. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So two things. One, it, it, it's okay for it to be uncomfortable. Like it's okay for you to have these conversations and have it be uncomfortable. But I start with one of the things that you said, like, oh, you're gonna, you can take your lunch break and the world's not gonna fall <laughs> apart. I literally, I mean, I don't use those words, but that's what I help my clients do. I help them realize that it's like, I promise everything is okay. You, like it's, I always say it's not life or death and it's why I left healthcare. Like I literally couldn't work in a job that was actually life or death. So my advice to everyone who is not a first responder is to, to chill just a little bit. Your job is just a job. The job is not going to fall apart. The work is still going to be there in the morning, you know? And so that's the first thing. It's kind of helping clients realize that again, your work is just a job. And, and I'm not saying slack off, but I'm also saying don't kill yourself for a job that could replace you if you died. You oh. know, so like, yeah. So, and that, actually, you know what? That will replace you if yeah. you die. Like, it's not just that it could, it's that it's straight up will. So that's sort of like the baseline. It's like detaching their identity, like detach your identity from what you do for work. That's like one of my biggest things because you are so much more than what you can produce for capitalism yeah and i'm glad that you brought that up because i think like a lot of times and i don't know about your experience but like growing up my identity was tied a lot to my work because that's just how we i like i learned how to earn money growing up right like that was the only way and so it's always like work hard and then get more money and then that way you can build wealth and so i think like with that kind of narrative i grew up with this this idea that my productivity is my self-worth right right and because it feels like that it's like i show up in the workplace like that when i was in my nine to five and i can see how that could be like very uncomfortable for for people to recognize that you might tie your identity to 
the work that you do, but like there, there needs to be balance. So for, for those of you who are watching this and you're wondering about identity work, like Carla, I just want you to like talk about that a little bit of how do you start to detach yourself from your workplace? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, again, so first of all, I, I work with clients predominantly <laughs> who don't believe in dream jobs. Because <laughs> I don't, I don't dream of labor, you know. <laughs> so, and I also, so let me step back. It's not that people wake up one day and say, "Oh, I'm going to tie my identity to work. My yeah. job is who I am." No. What happens is that women of color and first-gen women are socialized into these public sector jobs, into these social services jobs, into these government jobs, and to basically all of these caretaker jobs where they end up doing a bulk the bulk of the caretaking you know so whether that's whether you work in a nonprofit or whether you're actually doing the caretaking you know like that's your title like you're like a social worker or a teacher or like a social services coordinator or a patient advocate where you're literally a caretaker as your official position or we're socialized into these roles and whatever it, you may be in corporate and then you're still doing a lot of the office housework. Mm -hmm. You're still the one that's like taking the notes and planning the birthday parties and making the, you know, like going to designing the Christmas card or, or the birthday card and buying the cake if you're in the office. And all of this is all of these additional responsibilities that have been placed on women and that then, you know, like, it, it makes people feel like, oh my God, like if I don't show up and do this, who else is gonna do it? Yeah. And that's why I mean by tying your identity to what you do for work. It's not that people wake up one day and say, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go do this, but it's like you start taking on so much and so much is added to your plate that then you start feeling like you have to, you have to do it. And so the, you know, like, and so the first thing is realizing like, like uh-uh, that is not, that yeah. is not what you're you're there to do you know you're there to do your job you're not there to prove to you that you belong you're not there to plan the office parties i mean if your job is office party planner then go be office party planner yeah. you know yeah. um, but i said no one's giving you brownie points for planning the baby shower and no one's giving you brownie points for making brownies at 2 a.m or you know like it's it's this it's just not and like men are not expected to do this so why would women be expected to do this so just yeah. don't do it and you know when you said that the thing that came up for me is like if you have people pleasing tendencies mm -hmm. and like you're not working on your people pleasing tendency like that can easily bleed into your work you know and like how you show up and i think with society having this narrative around women that like we're the caretaker like it's really easy for us to fall into that trap right to be like we also need to take care of our co-workers and our manager duties and be able to do all these things and so i think what you're saying is like when you understand that this is societal conditioning mm -hmm. it helps you step back and be like this is not how i want to approach work it was just something that i've learned and like because of that i can unlearn it which i think is like super powerful because Many of the clients that I work with, they feel like they just, it just landed on their lap where they're like, I don't even know how I got here, where I feel like I have so much responsibility and like, I feel like I can't say no to things. And the conversation that I often have with them is like, you have to realize that the, the reason why you're here is not because you like chose to be here. It's like, there's the conditioning that came with you making these choices that you were influenced by. Yeah, 100%. So like there's all these conditionings that were, 
you know, like that influence our choices. And then there's the choices that are taken away from us. Mm -hmm. You know, like when all of this office housework is piled on, you know, or there's a lot of like the invisible burden that women carry both in the office and at home, you know, and that job isn't super highly visible. Yeah. Like it is, um, yeah, so it's both these like choices that we made and then there's choices that were made for us or, you know, like your boss is like piling up all this work because he has no idea everything that's on your plate yeah. or he has no idea like everything that is going on behind the scenes for you to be doing that which is why I teach my clients to advocate for themselves and it sounds like you're doing something similar yeah. because you know you said that some clients don't know how to say no it is extremely hard to say no to your boss actually <laughs> I did a live one called like how to say no to your boss and then I had to say no to my boss like the next day <laughs> and I was like oh okay. but it's it is hard you know and it, it, it can be hard but you also have to like honor your boundaries, you know, like, and I found myself, I remember one time I went to some, like some work event because I thought I had to be there mm -hmm. and I was missing like an important family event. And then I got to the event and one of my courses asked me like, why are you here if you're missing that? And I was like, yeah, why am I here? Yeah. You know, like, it's like, it, it, I literally shouldn't have come. Like it was, it was, I should have said no, and then I didn't, you know? So like ad advocating for yourself is something that takes effort. It's something that takes time and it can be uncomfortable, but it takes practice. I used to have a manager, like once I, once I caught myself doing this, I was like, I need to get out of here. But I was writing affirmations. Like I was, I am a strong Latinx woman and I will not be intimidated. And I was like, <laughs> What am I doing writing affirmations before my one-on-one -on -one with my manager? Seems like I need to get a new manager, oh. you know, and I, I, yeah, I ended up having to leave that job shortly thereafter. But I mean, I guess um, what I learned from that is saying no, like in that, that same manager, uh, there was a conversation that like I had to say no to him three times now, because he sent me some like long ass email after taking like weeks to reply. And I was like, I am not ready to discuss this. I am too angry. And so he kept on pressing me about it. And I was like, I have any more time before I can discuss this. I need more time before I discuss mm -hmm. this. I need more time, like three times in the span of a half an hour check-in, he asked me and oh I just fell to my ground. Yeah. And so when I then left that job and I got into a new job, I established early on, it's like, what are your communication patterns? You know? And when I, I started noticing that like my, my boss was dumping a lot on my plate and I was like, okay, so what are the timelines for these projects? Yeah. Um, all right, I can prioritize this. What would you like me to deprioritize? And these are the kind of things that I help my clients with, like advocating for themselves in the workplace can sometimes be like, yo, I'm working on a lot, you know, or like just advocating for yourself can just be as simple as, hey, this is everything that's currently on my plate. And just because it's simple doesn't mean that it's easy. Oh, so good. I love that you said deprioritize because that is a word that I have forgotten. <laughs> and, and I'm always like, if I go back to my nice five, I'm like, what, what tasks do you need me to prioritize and deprioritize? That would have saved me a lot of stress, you know, because you don't want to be like, yeah, which task do you want me to throw away? <laughs> like, it's like, it goes back to like having to be professional, but not so professional that they like take over, take advantage of your niceness. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad that you you brought that up because i was gonna say like i think that's like the hardest part so like i know you mentioned advocating for yourself what if you have a boss that like just keeps pushing your boundaries like i've had clients that are in that in that um 
you know environment and we've had conversations around like creating options for them and sometimes like they are afraid right to to push more or they're afraid that they might not be as resourceful to to find another job like that finding a better job pretty much and i want to hear your perspective on that because i know the work that you do like this job is not the only option and i think a lot of people need to hear that that it is a true thing so that you can see like if this place is not treating me well like i gotta go yeah oh 100 <laughs> 100% at a certain point you need to make a decision for yourself you know because you can try i talk a lot about managing your manager mm -hmm. a lot of the times unfortunately like people get promoted into these like people manager positions who don't have people manager training and professional development and they don't know how to manage a team and they don't have communication styles like it's it uh some managers are just terrible managers. Doesn't mean you're a bad person, but you can just be a terrible manager. Um, and you, like as an employee, you need to make a choice. You need to, okay, if you're trying to, first of all, try. Try to figure out what their communication style is. Try to establish those boundaries early on. It is a lot easier to establish new patterns from the beginning than to try to re-break or to like, to like reprogram somebody and to like establish like a new boundary that can be a lot more difficult, mm -hmm. but you can still try. Um, so it's speak, you know, like speak what you need, but then also like, so first of all, know, know your audience. So what kind of management style does your manager have? You know, like, are they open to feedback? Are they, do you have a standing check-in where you can provide this feedback? You know, like, don't just ambush them in the morning when they walk in, be like, hi, I think you've been a total, you know, <laughs> jerk for me lately. No, like definitely, you know, plan for this. And if you don't have those standing check-ins, that can be really hard. So mm -hmm. maybe like find some time on their calendar. Also practice this conversation beforehand. Ooh, I miss okay. when, yeah, like this is for when you're having that conversation for the first time, you know, like practice it beforehand, say the words out loud, getting the words out of your mouth is important. Like this is like, I mean, I tell this one before, like negotiating, like years ago, I tried to negotiate and I was like, mm -hmm, yeah, I'll take the offer. And then next time around, I was like, nope, this is what I'm looking for. Yeah. And, you know, and uh, she was like, okay, you know, so say the words, make sure that you can get them out of your mouth. Um, and that's, you know, when you try to establish those patterns. Hi, I noticed, you know, that um, this um, actually, like, I'm just so passionate about setting boundaries. <laughs> so yeah, I'm like yeah. getting all twisted up. So I'm going to take a step back. If you're already kind of in a, in a situation that isn't great, just, you know, practice setting those, you know, saying them out loud and then find the time at your next check-in and just maybe look and ask, like, hey, I was wondering if maybe we would be open to some feedback or, you know, like what I need to succeed is X, Y, or Z and mm -hmm. saying that, right? So then, then that's where I'm getting at. At a certain point, you're going to have to make a decision because if you're trying to set those boundaries and those boundaries aren't being respected, and then you're deci you decide it's time to go. And here's the thing, there are other jobs. Yeah. And yes, even in this economy, <laughs> you know, in this economy, there are always people who are hiring. There are always people who leave their jobs unexpectedly, who pursue, you know, like who pursue different options. Like there are jobs out there. You just need to be 
proactive. Like you need to decide what you're going to do. And it's okay if what you decide to do is work and advocate for yourself in your current workplace. Maybe this is great. But if you're just working with a toxic manager, like, and you realize as it's time to go, you got to go. You don't have to stick around a job that makes you miserable just because, you know, like you're seeing on the news, whatever X, Y, or Z, like the scarcity of the news. No, there are jobs out there. And when your work is excellent, people will notice and you can get another job. There is a better opportunity, no matter how bleak it seems, like there is a better opportunity, I promise. Oh, I love that so much. It's like, you literally do not have to be loyal to your job. Oh, like. please don't be loyal to your job. <laughs> And I like when you were like, I need, I need this to achieve. I'm like, I need a lunch break to achieve like good work, <laughs> you know, because like, oh my gosh, I get so triggered about this, but it's like, I've talked to so many people where they are in a salary position and they're, and you know, it's not required like for them to clock in and out for their lunch break. And so there has been so many times where people are like, I'm salary and so like, I could just like work through my lunch and like they're not they're not like the employers are not being kept accountable if mm -hmm. the person takes their lunch break or not right and that part always triggers me because I'm like at that point then you have to really set your boundaries and I think like that's always the hardest part is like being um being okay with setting boundaries and sitting with the feeling of uncomfortableness mm -hmm. when you do set those boundaries. Because if you don't have boundaries set, then you can't really determine what your next step is, whether you want to stay at the job or if you want to continue being there. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. 100%. And I was definitely one of those people who used to work through lunch. Um, and that was, I mean, you know, I ended up like losing my hair oh. in that job. Yeah, yeah. terrible. Um, but you know what? And I think I, I spoke about this recently that I used to work. It was something like, and almost an extra week a month because I would stay late and I would work through lunch and I'm like, why am I giving this, this company like two and a half to three extra hours every day? Oh you my know, God. that ended up to me being like working for free. So even if you didn't have, just like ask yourself because your company, like when you're working there from like nine to five, you know, or whatever your schedule actually is, you are expected to take a lunch break. You are a human who has a right to eat and to like disconnect. And that is like factored in. So when you're working through your lunch break, you're actually just like giving your employer free labor. Um, yeah, I know. So I'm like, why do you need to give these corporations free labor? All right. So hi, Natalia. So Natalia says some companies have wellness programs, which is great because it's a way to encourage employees to take breaks and focus more on their mental health. Yes. So I any benefit that your company offers, please take advantage of it. <laughs> I mean, I guess the only my only exception is, I mean, never mind. Um, but um, yeah, like if they have a, like a smoking cessation program, I'm not going to use it because I already don't yeah. smoke. Uh, right, but, you know, like free apps for mental health or, or things to, um, to take your breaks, please take, please take your lunch break. Even if it takes you, because another thing that people say is like, oh, it just, um, it just, it takes me like 15 minutes to eat. Yeah. And then I'd just rather do my work. And I'm like, okay, what is going on in your life <laughs> that you would rather work through your, through your lunch, you know? Yeah. And I think it's important to like name capitalism too, right? Because like once you know how the capitalism system works, it's, you start to realize whether you're playing into it or you're trying to like, like, get out of that kind of mindset and that is definitely what helped me when 
I feel like I want to like skip my lunch break because there has been times when I was at my nine to five where I'm like, "Ooh, these people, why, why would you schedule a meeting at noon?" <laughs> and, and I'm like, "This is my lunch break." And there has been times where I will literally have to eat and be in a meeting because people didn't know how to schedule. Like that was the only opening time for everybody, which of course it makes sense because that's when everybody goes and eat lunch. <laughs> Um, if you're making me go to a lunch meeting, you better have freaking lunch. <laughs> but then that's also not even great because it's like, oh, you know, like these lunch and learns. And I feel so bad because I've definitely hosted lunch and learns. Don't make them an exception, you know, and it's I mean, I like to learn if you like to learn during your lunch. Great. But also make that the exception rather than the rule. Mm -hmm. I, I just like how you brought that up because um like, was that Natalia that said that? Mm -hmm. I think, like, something that I always like to look into is I remember the company that I used to work for. They had all these wellness programs, but then, like, the, the way you work, like, the work structure didn't even allow you to use it. Like, really? because it, it was so, because it was like you were being overworked that, like, you didn't have the capacity to think about using the stuff that was available to you. Like, I remember, like, the place that I was at, there was a gym downstairs, but I have never stepped foot in that gym because my schedule was packed with calls back to back until, like, the end of the day. And, like, I love how corporate can have those support things, but I also think it's important that, like, we are, like, like we advocate for ourselves, that we can use them or we can talk back to be able to use the resources that's available to us because sometimes they can have these things but like you I like how I felt about it like I felt like I couldn't even use it because I was so busy mm -hmm. because all of those meetings were re required <laughs> you oh. know yes oh my gosh nothing worse than a meeting that could have been an email <laughs> actually <laughs> nothing worse than a meeting that could have been a thought that someone kept in their head yeah. <laughs> and i'm like i can't believe you called the meeting for this yeah. Um, but yeah so so a lot of these companies like oh you know like we offer lunch and we have you know like we have a gym or like we have dry cleaning <laughs> it is a trap it is a trap to get you to stay in the office longer i think i saw something was it Google or one of like these big tech companies was like offering their, cause they were returned to office mm. and um, oh, you can stay at a hotel for a discount of $99 a night. And it was <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I'm just like laughing hysterically over here because why would I pay? I mean, this was, I mean, obviously I don't work at Google. Yeah. But like, why would I pay to live close to work? Like that is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, yeah i just i don't even know like it is terrible and i gotta i gotta shout out a couple of people like for example a woman on twitter who was in a sleeping bag on the floor at twitter oh. and then she got laid off anyway oh my god Google ain't yeah. nobody giving out awards for working the hardest yeah okay like even if you sleep at office you will get laid off like that's not nobody's gonna sit there and, and say like oh yeah but they stayed so late um so 100 like a lot of these like so-called perks Ha are designed to keep you in the office, you know, like working longer. I never thought <laughs> um, of it that, that way, but now it makes sense. Yeah, they're definitely designed to like keep you in the office. Um, but then also, uh, I also think about like other employment perks that are, I, I wonder how, what the, the use of them are, you know, it's like, oh yeah, we, we have like 10,000 employees, but we only buy for 5,000 because, you know, like half of them don't even use it, don't ever sign up. Oh. I don't know. I just made that up. But I feel like that's a thing. That should be a study people do. Oh.
I think that'd be so good. So, so like one thing I want to ask you is I know like, you know, because we're both coaches, we're like life coaches with our clients, even if we're coaching them on our specific expertise, like we're still a life coach, right? At the end of the day. And so like, have you ever had clients where they come to you very stressed about work? Cause I know like your, your, your job is to help them job hopping. So I'm pretty sure they're not liking their job right now, or they want to find a better one. And like that, um, and there's some stress in that. Like, how do you help them manage their stress? Cause I think that'll be helpful for my clients to just hear because career stress can be very impactful mm -hmm. in, in the body. Yeah, no, of course. So, you know, I go back to two things. One, detaching your identity from what you do for work. And then two is setting boundaries at work. Mm -hmm. And so I, I talk about detaching your identity because no one, again, it's not like a conscious thing. Like I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to be stressed about work. Yeah. People who are, you know, and, and the women who I'm surrounded by are, are full of heart. They really care about mm -hmm. what they do. They really care about their team. They really care. And it's that care. And like, I, I would say that's coming from like a place of love almost yeah. sometimes, you know? So I'm like, all right, back up. Like, even if you're like a teacher or a nonprofit service provider, like these people are going to be okay. You don't have to save them. You don't have to be a savior. So like, so that's one way because sometimes it can be like self-imposed stress, mm -hmm. you know? So it's like, all right, detach your identity. I promise people are going to be okay. As long as you don't the first response people are going to need you for life yeah. or death. yeah um but you know if you're not just like kind of like go with some of that self-imposed stress and then for other stress it set boundaries and we talked about like workload and how like managers are dumping things we talked about deprioritizing i've also had clients who are like oh my god this one one of my direct reports is driving me up the wall you know and it's like all right how are we gonna you know, like, how are we going to reach them? Like, what can you do as a manager to reach them? You know, like, can we put them on a, on a PAP on like, you know, a performance improvement plan? What can you do that is within your control? So that's the other thing, like focusing on what is their control and then also making time to do what they love, making time for what is most important. Um, with one of my clients, one of the things that we're working on is just centering herself in the morning. Yeah. You know, um, just like taking time before before work, just taking time to do some deep breathing. You know, like we're starting there. However, she wants to like whether she wants to meditate. I'm not even gonna say that I wake up and meditate every morning. Like sometimes I wake up and listen to Ludacris. You know, like I'm not meditating in the mornings, but. It's, we've talked about different things and it's one of the things that is working for her. So creating that space in your day for other clients, it's, you know, like making sure that you go on a hike or making sure that you close your computer at five, like setting those boundaries for yourself and figuring out how you're going to prioritize yourself. Um, and then of course, like addressing the issue when it's a lot of the times it's workload. And I also want to address that the reason that workload tends to be like just a, such a recurring factor is that a lot of workplaces are exploitative you know yeah. like this is why i tell yeah super exploitative we know that this is how capitalism works um the reason that i say be excellent at your job and that's it don't be doing other people's jobs because i almost feel like it's like like it's almost like a violent extraction of labor you know what i mean like if you are demanding so much from someone that is 
not the deal that they signed up for that is exploitative so i'm yeah. like you know like setting those boundaries actually protects you and that's the thing work one of my other philosophies is that work is like a gas work will expand to fill up all available space so you have to contain it but in order to oh, contain it you yeah. have to you have to create that distance and oh, that distance okay. is created by boundaries that's so good. I love how you said self-imposed stress because that got me thinking of like a specific client that I've been coaching her on this. And she was like, I feel like I have so much on my plate. I feel like my manager's just giving me this and like I'm doing it. And like I have to stay later at work than usual and I don't have the time to work out. Like she's just, she was just spinning out a little bit, you know? And I, I had asked her like, have you had the conversation with your manager that you can't take on any more of these like many tasks you know and she was like no and then it's almost like sometimes like we forget that we have control over like how much we're able to take on but also like oftentimes the managers are not gonna know that like you are struggling if like you're not saying anything they're gonna think that everything is fine and they're just gonna keep like telling you like hey can you do this can you add this on your plate and so I think it's important to remember that sometimes we might be the ones stressing ourselves out mm -hmm. because we're not willing to tell them how, like our capacity, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know what that reminds me of? Um, I had a job one time where my manager asked me, oh, Carla, why didn't you do this? And I was so pissed off. Oh I was so angry that I wrote in detail everything else that I did. <laughs> that I was like, this is why I didn't do it, guy. So I was doing all these other, you know, things that you threw my way at the last minute. Yeah. And so, and ever since then, he never again, he was all like, Carla, you do so much. And I'm like, yeah, no shit, dude. Cause you know, like all I would, cause I would just be extremely detailed in like my bi-weekly reports. Yeah. And I'm like, this is what I'm doing because don't you ever come at me with Carla, why didn't you do this? Like, how dare you? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, who do you, yeah. So definitely. Um, and I think that that's, again so like maybe that was me being like petty or angry but it was also like no like i'm not i'm, I'm gonna set this boundary from right away yeah. and and I, I honestly like i i sometimes don't think that not knowing how to talk to your manager that's not even like a self-imposed stress maybe you just have like a really toxic manager and yeah it's still within your control how you talk to them yeah um but that's it's like our i mean if you think about it your manager is the person who decides whether or not you're fired whether or not you have a good time 40 plus hours a week, like it is, it is totally normal to think about what your manager does. And, and, you know, like, and if whether or not you get fired, that's your livelihood, like that yeah. is a lot of stress. So I definitely like, you know, I, I center a lot of empathy around having it be difficult to manage your manager and having it be difficult to say no to your boss or having it be difficult to even voice everything that you're doing um, and one of the ways that i that i tell people i'm like listen people are thinking about you people are thinking about themselves <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like your boss is not thinking about you your boss is thinking about themselves. So what you need to do is you need to tell them what you're doing. And yeah. if they're a good boss, they will know how to delegate better. But they don't know everything that they've thrown your way because it's not about them. You know, like they're thinking yeah. about them. They're not thinking about you. So I think that that's just like a really important kind of point to remind people. I'm like, your boss ain't thinking about you. You gotta tell them oh everything Oh my God. And, and you know what's crazy? A lot of like people of color, that I have worked with, right? And when I talk to a lot of women too, 
they're like, well, I don't want to give my coworker this because I know they already have this on their plate. They have that and they have this. And like, and then I'm like, you know, you got to think about yourself because they don't even like, nobody's thinking about what you have on your plate. Yes. Oh my gosh. So I hear that too. I hear something similar about like, oh, you know, like, I don't want to be like, I feel so guilty if I leave and I'm going to leave my coworkers. Oh. And I'm like, dude, you're not. It is your employer that doesn't have a fully staffed team that is leaving your coworkers in the lurch. It is not you. Yeah, that's yeah. so good. So this goes back to like remembering that like the work problem, the work problem that happens at your job is not your problem to solve. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> and that was really hard for me to hear because I, that's kind of like one of my trauma response where I'm like, I just want to like save people and like make sure that everything is perfect before I left. Like, like when I got laid off from my nine to five, like I felt like I had to have the perfect off-boarding experience to give to the next person. Right. Because it, it just, I felt so bad, but it was like, it wasn't even my fault. Like I got laid off. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Oh my goodness. Yeah, of course. And I love that because it's like, we want to do things that are, that are great. Um, oh my God, you said something that I wanted to touch on. I totally lost it, but, um, <laughs> it's not your problem to solve. Uh, yeah. So when you, um, when you're leaving your job, you know, like this is another thing, like you were laid off and you were still trying to, um, try to have a perfect offboarding experience. Like that's freaking remarkable. Yeah. You know, who's not doing that? Mediocre white dudes. You know? <laughs> like, uh, I, I remember I left the job and I gave them four weeks notice because I was at the director Four level. weeks? Oh, four oh weeks. I know, right? Look at me being like St. Carla, bueno, Santa Maria. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then... Two, like two weeks after, less than two weeks after I left, my counterpart, who was at a different, you know, like different area, but kind of similar job, he left them, didn't even give two weeks notice. And I'm like, the second that I stopped carrying this dude's weight, he left. Like he quit, quit in 11 days. Oh my God. You know, so yeah, yeah. So he's not, you know, creating a, a perfect offboard experience for anyone. And we do have a question that I wanted to get to in the chat, yeah. you know, I'd like to know your thoughts about limited versus unlimited PTO. It's funny that actually, literally before we started this live, I was just texting someone saying, I actually think that four weeks PTO might be better than unlimited PTO, depending on your manager. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I wish I could do a screenshot of that because I was just saying that um, unlimited PTO is also one of those traps. <laughs> There's like a foosball table. You better not be caught using that foosball table. They're going to wonder if you don't have enough work. Um, so unlimited PTO, first of all, I hate that phrase because it's not really unlimited. If someone tells me unlimited, I don't ever want to go to work. <laughs> <You know? laughs> right? right. So like, I think a better term would be like maybe self-administered or discretionary PTO or flexible PTO. But don't tell me it's unlimited because I'm like, all right, then put me on the payroll and then I'll be time off. <laughs> like there's usually a limit. Um, yeah. So let's start there. And with unlimited it's also a way that companies get out of pain because you're no longer accruing pto you are um that's how companies get out of paying you so like in most jobs like let's say that you accrue like one day off a week so like when you work for a month you have four days off um and when you leave the job if you haven't used up all your pto you get a payout if you work in a company that has 
quote unquote unlimited PTO, that payout doesn't happen. Like it tells you PTO is not a, uh, an accrued benefit. So it's actually, again, it's a trap. Um, unless, I mean, it, for most people, it's a trap. If you have a manager who is like a solid manager and believes in work-life integration and believes in the importance of wellness and say like, you haven't taken time off in a year, you need to take time off. And then they're like, they are highly encouraging you to use your PTO. And, you know, like then in some cases that unlimited PTO is actually, you know, like ends up being, you know, four, five, six weeks, even more, maybe throughout the year. But in a lot of cases, it's just uh, sometimes it can be like frowned upon if you use it, yeah. you know, so it really that unlimited PTO, like quote unquote unlimited is a trap. And it is like you're just playing manager roulette at that point versus if there's a policy that says you have to use your PTO or you lose it at the end of the year, then you're more likely to use that PTO. Ooh. Ooh, you know what? When you said that, I'm like. Your boundaries got to be strong if you got that unlimited PTO. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, if you if you already, like, feel like right now setting boundary feels uncomfortable, I mean, first of all, y'all got to go work with Carla, right? But if you're feeling like your boundary is still, it still feels uncomfortable to set boundaries at work, it's like, I wouldn't even go for the unlimited PTO because I want to have different conversations in terms of my boundaries before I, I even have that conversation, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and you know what? Like, I, I mean, I am a huge, sorry. I love time off. My favorite time of working is time off, okay? <laughs> like, even from when I graduated college, I would look at a job description and scroll all the way down to see how much vacation time it had. Yeah, like, yeah. I have always been someone who's like a huge proponent of taking your time off. Um, like even before I even dreamed of becoming a career coach, I'm like, how much does this, you know, like how much time off does this job have? Yeah. Um, but so, yeah. And so sometimes like, you know, especially as you're job hopping, you may be planning vacations and then like you're in a different, um, you're in a different, like a job for when you like started your vacation you can start a job and say hey i'm happy to start on september 1st but just so you know september 15th through 20th i have a vacation so i can start on the 21st if you want me to or i can start in the two weeks and i'm going on vacation yeah. like you know and that's and that's that's totally valid especially right now we're in august we're in summer like a lot of people have vacations and honestly, like a lot of people have vacations all the time, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Like, not just in the summer. So if you're job hopping, it's okay as you're accepting the offer. Definitely say this at the acceptance stage, though. Don't start yeah. off like, oh, hi. <laughs> yeah, my first requirement is I got to go on vacation. No, like once you have an offer, be like, yes, 100%. You, at that point, you're just negotiating the start rate, the yeah. start date, excuse me. You know yeah. what? I feel like people should like, should like, uh be as serious as their uh, be as serious about their lunch break like they are with their pto <laughs> yes oh my gosh I mean, yeah i kind of love that you know and i so actually sam i'd love to to hear why <laughs> lunch break is so important to me because i have my own reasons why lunch break is important to me but yeah. tell me why it's important to you and why it's so important to your clients well it's important because like if you're someone who's not eating breakfast right like, that's basically your first meal of the day. And if you think about, like, the last time you ate, like, the night before, you don't want to be fasting for that long because you're just not going to have energy. 
and you're not going to be able to function better. Your productivity also will not be the best. And so like, you're literally setting yourself up to like feel horrible. And a lot of the times, the people that are skipping lunch, they're living off of coffee. And they think that like, that's what gives them energy. But I like to say like coffee is fake energy. It's like, it just blocks the real thing from like showing up. And over time, like that creates a lot of stress on your body and you might not feel the impact of it now, but you're going to see it show up in some way. Like when you get your physical annual exam, like your blood work might not be where you want it to be. Your stress level is going to impact you physically eventually. And so I think it's important that like when you think of a lunch break, it's not like, yes, you're eating, but like you're eating for the future of your body too. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that you, you know? know yeah and so just really it goes back to prioritizing yourself yeah you know and, and and one of the things that you said in the beginning this is a lesson i learned really early in my career because i was in education and i remember one time i stayed up until like like two in the morning lesson planning when it had to be up at six in the morning yeah and of course i woke up and i was like a zombie and then i remember thinking my students deserve a teacher who is well rested oh you know and it was just like that was how I showed up for my students like by prioritizing myself and like not staying up until 2 a.m lesson planning like I I knew that I could show up so you know and again like it goes back to like the women that we work with being people who are full of heart and caring a lot about doing a good job well guess what you can do a better job when you're well nourished (laughs) yeah yeah and like I think like you won't really experience that right away until you let yourself have the meals Mm -hmm. you know like i think when my clients they finally stop skipping lunch break that's when they're like oh like this meal is so impactful like i actually feel better i actually want to show up for work i mean maybe the maybe like i'm not always excited about my task because it's work right but like i can actually feel feel good while doing my work and that is so important and not just that too it just leads to like healthy eating habits right like your blood sugar is more balanced you you can think clearly it's it's just so so good like if you are a mom and you have kids like would you let your kids starve the whole day like no like you make sure they have their meals in and especially coming from you know marginalized community and like speaking from that place too it's like we care about our community. We care about the people that we love. And so it's like, if you're not giving yourself like food, like just imagine you're not like the person that you love. What if they're doing that to their themselves too? Like you would tell them like, you should not be doing that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you need to go eat. And it's important. I feel like people forget that meals are just as important as all of the other flex of your job. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, exactly. Like making time for meal times. Yeah. Um, you know what I love that you said? It's like, you wouldn't let someone you love do this. And I do that exercise with my clients too. Like when they're yeah. doubting themselves and I'm just like, why? Like, I know that they are so kind and loving to other women in their lives. And I'm like, you deserve that same love and kindness that you give to others. Yeah. You can show up for yourself and, you know, like own your greatness, you know, like set those boundaries at work nourish your body take time to take your lunch break and nourish your body i mean and honestly like you'd be surprised how quickly people learn like yeah. if they start you know like if they see that you are taking your time off every day from 12 to 1 you know or every day from 12 30 to 1 30 they're gonna stop coming to your desk at that time because they know you're not gonna be there Ooh, they're gonna stop yeah. yeah like people 
people learn quickly how you want to be treated, mm-hmm. you know, and like what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. And so, yeah, it may be uncomfortable saying a few times, is it okay if we schedule this meeting for one o'clock? I'm usually at my lunch break from 12 to one, you yeah. know, or like, and even if that is uncomfortable to say, it is, it, it's, you say it enough times and people are going to stop, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and like, and, and it gets easier. People are going to respect your boundaries. So even you saying like, Hey, can we move this meeting? You know, or even, um, someone like trying to like talk to you at like, you know, like 1150 and, and like, Oh, can you help me yeah. with something? Like, you know what? I would love to help you when I get back from lunch, Yeah. you know, it's, it's just like setting, like you kind of have to set the intention that that's something that you're going to do that day. And then uh, even if things come up, you already have, a decision made, you know, and, and you can say, you know, like, I will help you after lunch. I will do yeah. it after lunch, you know? Yeah. Uh, can, we, can we move this meeting? So that's another way that you can manage that stress and you can set those boundaries. Oh, I freaking love that. Like, one last thing that I do want to touch on really quickly, because I know my clients, they, um, they're they always, like, asking me around this topic, and I'm like, I need to go work with Carla, too. <laughs> Yes, please, my way. My DMs are always open. Yeah, but it's like, I know, like, you help your clients job hop, right? And so, like, has there ever been a time where, like, your clients just feel like the only option they have is their job? And, like, they want to create more options for themselves, but maybe they're not, like, as confident to, to see that there are more opportunities out there? Like, how have you coached your clients on that? Because... You know, the clients that I work with, they're, like, freaking ambitious, and they're, like, super loyal to their job at the same time, and, like, they just, sometimes, like, when the stress is really high, the belief can be really low of, like, I don't know if I can find a job this good with this kind of benefit, with this kind of environment, and, like, it can be really easy to go into that rabbit hole of, like, there's not any better option, and I just want to exercise, like, that resourcefulness skill, because, you know, we we are resourceful people like if we really want to find a job and do the work like we will like it's it's in our blood and so like i want to hear how you coach your clients on that because i think it's important for everyone to hear that like there's so many options out there like just like literally like see it for yourself if that helps your brain believe it you know yes oh yes okay so 100 percent. like so many people come to me with like i don't know where to start i don't know where to start i don't know where to start if i had a dollar for every time someone told me i don't know where to start i might have retired already (laughs) you know but the thing is it's not it's not wrong to not know where to start because we're we're given this life path right like go to school go to college get a job maybe get married, maybe have a kid, whatever you want. I mean, actually, that's the path that we're women of color are given, whether or not we do it, that's something else. But at least in our career, it's like, all right, go to, you know, like in high school and go to honors classes and AP classes, and then get into the best college that you possibly can get. And then maybe, you know, like I was like, all right, then go to grad school, you know, and then get a job and then get a promotion. But then it's like, no one's tells you how to make a pivot no one tells you ask yourself what you're really good at what brings you joy no one says hey this is how you uh this is how you highlight your transferable skills so with my clients that's always well i mean i always start with mindset but after mindset (laughs) you know like after mindset i start with what lights you up 
And we do, you know, like we do uh, an exercise in which I, I ask them to tell me times that they've done something that they're proud of, you know, like times that they've done something at their job that lit them up. I was talking to one client who does a lot of, actually, I don't even remember because it was really boring. She was really <laughs> bored by it. <laughs> um, uh, this was a while ago. And then I asked her what was the thing that she, she loved. And she said, oh, I made this video in Spanish, educating families and na, 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 na. And she was like, that wasn't even part of her job, but it was like a project that she wanted to do. Yeah. And I'm like, why are you over here doing the boring stuff? Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's like, there are jobs that will pay you for your skills. So like, I, I really hope my clients understand that what you are naturally good at, what comes easy to you, what lights you up, just because it's easy for you doesn't mean that it's easy for other people. Yeah. Sure. And like, and that's where the money is. Like, instead of like slugging away at something that you're like, just okay at, you could be breezing through life, making bank for doing something that you're really good at and that lights you up. And so I help my clients figure out what that is. And then, and this is something I'm really, really like super passionate about is like, I have them go out and talk to people. Like you need to go and talk to humans and figure out, like what other humans are saying about this you know yeah. because it's building those connections i really believe in the power of community and building your community is how you pivot. building your community is probably the best thing that you can do for your career honestly probably for your life um but definitely for your career yeah <laughs> so it's like i don't know where to start okay First of all, tell yourself that you're a badass and just remember that. Just write down every amazing thing you've ever done. Go read your own resume to remember how amazing you are. And after that, start asking yourself, okay, what, when was the last time that I did something that made me feel good, yeah. you know, or that was exciting? And then start aligning your, you know, like build your community and tell people, hey, I'm, I'm looking for a job. These are the kind of things that I would love to do. And then people are going to naturally, you know, you know, who are talk to successful people, you know, yeah. and, like, and, and start getting to know these people and talk to lots of different people. And that's how you, you're going to start hearing patterns of like, wow, I never thought of myself as someone with an entrepreneurial spirit, but everybody I talked to said that, or wow, I never thought of myself as logistics. I never even yeah. thought of logistics, but everybody keeps on mentioning saying that I would be good at logistics and operations. Yeah. You know, so like that kind of thing. Who even says logistics and operations in their daily life? Yeah. No one. So it's probably okay that you don't know that that's your skill set. Yeah. But when you start talking to other people, they, you can ask also based on the things that I like, oh, you, you know, what, what are some things that I could do? You can also ask chat GPT. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, There's definitely just like so much like I really anybody listening to this, I really, really want to remind you that opportunities are endless. Like there is a job for everything you know like it is and it's and if not, there's a lot of workplaces where you can create your own job. So you have options, you don't have to stay at the job where you are, you can go and get that money and prioritize yourself and center your wellness and center your well-being and detach your identity from what you do for work. Oh, I love it. So like what I'm hearing from you is to feel confident in creating options for yourself, like focus on your skills, like the things yeah. that you're really good at. And I think oftentimes we forget about that, you know, like we forget like this really easy thing that I do at work. It doesn't 
caffeine that much because it's so easy and that maybe like i can't bring it into like a different industry but the way you put it is like focus on your strengths and like let the strengths guide you to your next opportunity which i absolutely love because when you can put the skills down on paper i bet you you're gonna be so confident you'll be like dang i'm really good at so many things like i could probably find different opportunities and i think sometimes it just takes us to take two step backs to be like okay let me look at everything i've accomplished so far in my career let me look at like the skills that i've built and the skills that i'm really good at that i've mastered and like which opportunity can i can i go for with these skills and i think coming from that perspective like i would have loved that so much coming out of college right because that would have been super helpful to be like okay let me just focus on my strength and not on my weaknesses because i think right. focus on like what you're not good at <laughs> yeah no honestly that is so i think that it's just so dated like please other people are good at the things you're not good at outsource and delegate you know <laughs> like yeah. focus on what you're good at and that's what like that's what your zone of genius is even before i read this book the big leap where um where the author talks about like your zone of genius like that was always my approach like i mean i um my uh, like the <laughs> academic term for it is like asset based community development yeah. so like my entire career coaching is asset based yeah. but to have it be like uh you know I, i've been told that one of my skills and one of my talents is being like the corporate translator <laughs> no, i can totally see that you are yeah. a corporate ask your bosses like you know what to not do this deprioritize <laughs> um but see that's like what that's what i'm good at and that's one of the things that i help my clients with is like all of these things and i'm like all right like let's let's jazz it up into corporate terms because that's what they is responding yeah. to you know yeah. um yeah but again i've always always believed in the power of like a strength or an asset-based approach you don't gotta worry on like what you're not good at trust me like if, if you're if it brings joy like for example i'm not good at skiing how do i know because i've literally never skied so i probably like fall down that mountain you know but and if it brings me joy for sure i can go for it but if yeah. not like why would i punish myself let me go do let me spend some time strengthening my strengths and that's my approach to career coaching because when people strengthen their strengths that's the most difference they can make in the world that is the most difference they can have and the most impact they can have in their career Oh my God, that is so freaking good because I think like sometimes it's so easy to forget that we are so skilled, yeah. you know, and like, especially when we're stressed about work, like we're not taking care of our health and we're like skipping lunch and we're, we're just so in our head with the, with the work stuff that we forget that like we're so skillful that we can leave this job anytime. And I think like today's topic, you just, you just really like ingrain some confidence man like all the confidence that you can have and just like having control over your career and focusing on what you can control but also like realizing you are so much more than your job and like you have so many opportunities out there that you can literally say peace out <laughs> find something different uh, yeah 100 percent. that is my mission like for myself personally to create a time in my life where i don't when i can walk away from any situation and that's what i want for my clients too to just be able to like like true job security is knowing you can work someplace else oh I, that i love i'm gonna say that to my clients i'm gonna be like go listen to carla and go listen to this episode <laughs> because that is so true and i think like security doesn't land in, in the job itself but it's your ability to always 
find the next opportunity. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Exactly. You know, yeah. and it's out there. It's working. It's, it's working its way towards you. So good. So how can the people work with you and where can they find you? Sure thing. So I'm mostly hanging out on Instagram at Carla, the first gen coach. You can also find me on my podcast, the first gen coach podcast. Um, and I work with clients one-on-one for six months. And in that time, we will get your mindset right. We will find what your strengths are. We will find what your money-making skills are. We will build your community so that you can go out there and job hop and start making bank. So good. So I will leave Carla stuff in the show notes below. If you're listening to this on the podcast, you'll see that there. But if you're listening or watching this on IG, then I will be tagging Carla and you can always look at her profile, follow her and hit her up with her one-on-one coaching, especially if career is what you're looking to get support in. She's freaking amazing. Y'all can already tell by like this this IG. It was so good. Join um, six month one on coaching. Click the link in my bio and let's work together on helping you lose weight without restricting. Before we wrap up today, I want to remind you to download your free resume template and guide. This resume template is designed to help first gen professionals like you showcase your strengths, your leadership experience, and tell a powerful story. So if you are ready to make bold career moves, download your free resume template and guide at thefirstgencoach.com slash resume.